you for being a part of our uh, discussion today we love you guys and uh, we want to encourage you uh, to join the discussion uh, here on the podcast yes we do if you don't we're sending this guy out to uh, help you join the discussion (laughs) (laughs) oh one of these days we're going to do that intro and we're going to have Mama Fisher do her little African shuffling. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, that's she, not a day that's going to come very soon. Oh. <laughs> I saw you two dancing on your anniversary down the church aisle. Well, if you could call it that. Yeah. <sighs> oh, wow. wonderful. Wow. We are so glad to be here and so grateful you all are with us. Um, Be sure and like and subscribe to one or both of our channels. And the big thing is join the discussion. We are not afraid of comments and questions. Greg and I do not agree on everything. And I think today we're going to have maybe a little bit of that going on. But God is not threatened by our questions. And I'm going to say something a little bit controversial here. Thank you. Um, he's not threatened by our questions. I feel that if you just blindly believe what you've been told by people or religious leaders, that's blind faith. That's different from relationship with God. And there's a difference between faith and religion. Yes. And sometimes, yeah. sometimes religion is this um, ceremony that does not have that deeper meaning. It doesn't have to be, but often it is. And faith, you know, I mentioned blind, blind faith. Faith is sometimes stepping forward onto that which you cannot see because you believe in the one who's evidence is around you and you you know is there so um there's a difference between blind faith and asking question you ask these questions so you know yeah and we like to hear the questions because that helps us to focus uh what we're talking about through Mm -hmm. your specific questions so please uh when you have a chance Uh, Just put comments in the comments section. Questions go there. And uh, as they come in, we put them right on the screen and uh, try to respond to them. So, yeah. Yeah. That's all important. So we are really glad you're with us. We have an interesting topic today. This this should be a really hot topic in a lot of ways. Well, we're going to finish up first with 20 because we had gotten into um, the devil was cast into the lake of fire and um, we know the Antichrist and the beast have already been cast into the lake of fire. And now we're getting into the great white throne judgment. 
And the thing I that hit me first about white throne judgment is God's got all the resources in the world. That throne could have been solid gold with exquisite ornamentation. Why is it white? Yeah. Um, you know, here here's one of the things that we could that we think about when it comes to uh, the judgments of God mm -hmm. and um, this whole idea of a throne and judgments uh, is not foreign to uh, second, second Temple uh, Judaism and certainly was not foreign to the um, to the church and uh, one of the one of the examples for of uh, judgment is the is the bema, and uh, I, Margaret and I've been in Corinth, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and seen the actual uh, uh, bema, which is the place where judgment was handed down, uh, where Paul was brought uh, before the bema. And the the governor hand you know had to judge uh, whether uh, it was a legitimate question and one thing another. And the, while there is a judgment that we find in the epistles, Paul talks about uh, kind of a bema of judgment, which uh, the bema seat not only was a place where judgments were handed down, but it was also a place where rewards were given out. And so there is a two side to that coin. And one is the great white throne of judgment. And these, these places of judgment would be clad in white marble. Well, I would think too that, you know, we've had the saints in white, mm -hmm. um, the, the churches in white, the angels, the elders at this point, white right now is representing purity at this point. Yeah, it would seem to be. So, I mean, that's one aspect of it. I'm pretty sure that most of the stuff we're talking about, you see this aspect and you see this aspect, but you're missing 20 others. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that's why we have the discussion is because we're looking at a multifaceted uh, we, uh, uh, um, uh, drama that's right. playing out in, uh, oh dear, that's playing out uh, mm -hmm. in the book of Revelation. Yeah. And uh, I, I need to take just a half a second break because um, uh, someone came in. Uh, <laughs> and has needs. Well, is uh, licking on my leg. So okay. I'm going to put Juggy out and I'll be right back. I'm going to start reading verse 11. Please. Okay. On, so then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which was the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. So first we have, um, first we have the earth and the heaven fled away. They couldn't even stand in the presence of God. Right. They, in the presence of God, they both fell. Um, and then there were, we have the dead, great, and small standing before God. What? There's two two books. Yes. There's the Book of Life. Yes. Actually, at least two books. Yes. And then it says the dead are judged by their works that were written in the in the books plural. Yes. Yes. So if you think about our lifetime, everything you do is recorded in a book. That's correct. Even the things that you think no one knows about. Right. Because even that, the, even that the book, thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. That book records um, 
an account of even individual thoughts. Right. Uh, certainly, in it certainly records the actions and the words uh, that we put to those thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you think about it, it's almost like a little microchip in your brain that's downloaded into a book. <laughs> Things you don't even know you were thinking. <laughs> yeah. No, um, it's, yeah, we're not, maybe maybe not quite that way. <laughs> no, but I, I remember way back in the 70s, uh, there was a, a track that you could hand out to people with the gospel message in it. And it showed this guy dying and winding up in heaven. And then a big screen pops up and it is, this is your life. And in front of the whole universe, his entire life is being shown. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the things that he wished were hidden as well as the things that were commendable. And uh, that I, I got to tell you, that idea scared me Yeah. Until, until I realized that because of my redemption, because of my um, uh, being uh, redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ, if the screen pops up and the videotape starts to run, it's blank. Okay, videotape, you're dating yourself. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, when I was reading that um, earlier in the week, yeah, I go through and I, I try to digest a little bit of this each day. And when I was reading that earlier in the week, there's a saying that said, God created us to be human beings, not human doings. When we come before the throne of God, what we do will be judged if we are not a human being living under the grace of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to look at it. Um, and the problem is all these things we've done, even if they take and um, picture they're building a ladder to heaven and all your good works are another rung and then all your bad works take away a rung. Um <laughs> Even if your good works far outnumber your bad, that ladder is going to be so far short of heaven. There is just no way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. And, and that's a common and that's a common kind of cultural Christianity belief mm-hmm. that uh, the you know the good and the bad are going to be. Wade, and if you've been a really good Christian and followed the Ten Commandments and kept all of that, uh, that will that will outweigh the bad things that you've done, and so uh, that will be your judgment. Uh, the yes, problem is uh, that's not going to be how it works. No, and our good deeds, then you're doing them for. It's like that saying goes: you're doing the right thing for the wrong reason. Wrong reason. Yeah. Yep. So, um, if we're trying to get to heaven based on our deeds, we aren't going to make it. There's no way. No matter how good you are. And if you think about, um, when I was in drug and alcohol counseling, we used to talk about this a lot, that the average person lies about 20 times a day they tell a lie. Oh, my... It might be less than that. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I will tell you it's more for men than women. My dad's going to, my dad would have a heyday on that. Well, I would say that it's probably more for men than women because there's always, yes, honey, that dress looks wonderful. (laughs) You better say that. My bottom look big. (laughs) Not any bigger than the barn. (laughs) So, um, anyway, works aren't going to cut it. And so we open these books and what we see is those whose names are written in the book of, of life. That's their book. Their yeah. name. It's, the, the, the books that are opened, um, when we're looking at revelation 21, 12, uh, that's a concept of divine judgment based on individual accountability 
-hmm. and taking responsibility for your actions. And um, that, and the reason why that's not good enough is that you will never be good enough uh, right. to, to provide your own salvation. The book of life that's mentioned there in the same verse, uh, Revelation 21. 20. Two, uh, um, oh, 20, you're, you're skipping on to 21 too? Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's 2013, say. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, the book of life that's mentioned is a different record because it contains the names of those who've received eternal life through faith mm -hmm. in Jesus Christ. So yes. instead of being, mm, instead of being a record of of actions, a record of good deeds and bad deeds. It's more like a register of those who are redeemed and have been saved by God's grace. Mm -hmm. So if we're written in the book of life, uh, it, it signifies that we are included in the community of the redeemed and uh, eligible to experience the blessings of eternal life in God's presence. This is, the book of life is more like um, a guest book at a wedding. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It's a register, yes. It's a name. Yeah. And, and it, you often a date. Mm -hmm. There is nothing qualifying about it. No, you ju you're just leaving, you're just... You're just leaving a record there of your attendance. Right. It's um, it, it, There's no note after it. Hey, I made the flowers. I frosted the cake. I did this. I did that. It's a name and often a date, which could potentially be in the book of life, but it doesn't matter because it doesn't matter if you were saved yesterday or a thousand years ago. You're still saved. Yeah, and you're still in the book of life. Right. So, uh, um, that, uh, and, and so that book of life, uh, the, the, the one place where our, our model here, our, our illustration of a, of a wedding book registry kind of breaks down is that we don't put our name in the book of life. No. It is the lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the earth that is writing our name in the book of life. And we find out later also in terms of name, we will be given a new name. So it's more like a guest register. Um, These are the people who were invited. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's kind of like uh, here in Oklahoma mm -hmm. for a long time, uh, before you could perform weddings as a pastor, even if you're ordained and all of that, you had to register your ordination uh, at the county courthouse. And you can go, they're in huge books that reside on big leather-bound books, and you can, you can pull them down and page through and see when people registered their ordination with the county in order to perform weddings mm -hmm. and uh, they don't ask us to 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 do that anymore but that was a register of those who were permitted or authorized uh, to do weddings mm -hmm. and uh, they referred to the book to make sure that you knew what you were talking about Okay, that they were properly married. That they were proper, you know, in case of a divorce or an annulment or whatever. Yeah. Um, who did the wedding and who are the uh, witnesses become uh, something of importance? Right. So um, let's go ahead and finish up 20. I'm ready to yeah, get yeah. on to 21. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so the judge for, the dead were judged according to their works. This part says the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of the life of life was cast into the lake of fire. So we have the second death here. Yes. So uh, what was your take on that uh, second death? How, how did that, how does that kind of uh, mature in your mind uh, well, as we, we're doing this study? We had talked last week about, um, our discussion was about the first death being your body. Yes. And then your body is resurrected for the second death, in a sense. In a sense, yes. Everyone is resurrected. Mm-hmm. And, and those verses tell us the sea gave up the dead, the graves gave up the dead, yeah. even hell gave up the dead, and they are all resurrected. And, and here's an important thing. They're not resurrected as floating amorphous spirits of some kind. They are resurrected in a body. For the, for the, for for the, the resurrection. Judgment. Yeah. yeah, in that in that resurrection, they are resurrected in a body, and they will stand before God in a body to give um, an accounting for uh, their lives, both good and bad. Now, when we're talking about this, it says, and this is the second death. So, if you if somebody died a painful first death, that's nothing compared to what the second death is going to be. Yeah, in, in the right. lake of in the lake of fire. That's if you are right. a Christian, it's appointed to us only to die once. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and after that yeah. judgment, he may die again. If he's not written in the book of life, right? Yes. Okay. So, so here's so that one of the things that we have been taught. Um, and one thing about doing a podcast is you really start to question everything, every little word, right? And so I'm going to ask a question here that I really, I'm questioning. I'm not really sure what I believe. And let's have a conversation about it. And this is what we'd like people to do also, ask questions that we can have a conversation about. Um, we have been preached too often, about eternal judgment yes and this is a really um (laughs) i i can't it might be an irreverent question (laughs) but it's a relevant question (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, i don't i don't know yeah so is judgment eternal ah um yeah now there is a discussion is judgment eternal? Uh, we we uh, looked at uh, what's happening to these people. Mm-hmm. Um, what, do they burn forever? Yeah, do they burn forever? Uh, and that is the eternal conscious torment uh, point of view about hell. Okay. And uh, for people that are listening, I can highly recommend. Uh, a series of YouTube videos called Rethinking Hell. And it is by some very powerful and sincere Christians, uh, teachers, uh, people that are scholars, and they're talking about uh, hell and what it means uh, for there to be a hell and what it means uh, to be there eternally. Mm. And... Uh, this is the traditional. This is the traditional view of hell, and most of us who grew up in some kind of traditional evangelical church uh, we would understand hell as a place of eternal punishment and conscious suffering mm-hmm. uh, for those who've rejected God. Okay, so. 
um, you know, we know Christians are promised eternal life. Here's one of the things, um, one of the reasons I'm asking this question. We have been taught that teachers are doubly accountable for what they say. Is this true if they're teaching evil? Is the deceiver and the deceived under the same eternal judgment? Well, from the eternal conscious torment point of view, each person uh, is solely responsible for their own actions. And mm -hmm. so uh, when we're standing before um, the throne of God, uh, there'll be no finger pointing. Mm -hmm. I mean, our, the politics and and society of our world today, it's all finger pointing. Right. You know, they did this and now we're going to do that. And it's one upsmanship. When we're standing before that throne, it is not, there is not going to be any finger pointing. It is you and God. Now, uh, and in this traditional uh, uh, viewpoint, uh, hell's literal, and it is an everlasting state of separation from God, and the individuals therein experience torment and separation uh, mm -hmm. from the love of God. That would be the that's a kind of a traditional view of hell, right? Separation from the love of God. I mean, I picture this says the lake of fire burns forever, and we know that Satan's already been condemned to that, yes. Um, so there is another judgment even after him. So he's not, he's not like Jesus where everybody who's under him, he's going to cover. Yeah, no, because, yeah. <laughs> because we are all standing, uh, every human, uh, mm -hmm. who's not written in the Lamb's book of life is going to stand before that throne and make an account and give an account, uh, for themselves. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, and and for me personally, I probably uh, I hold the eternal conscious torment view of hell. I think that that's what the scripture teaches. But there are other points of view about hell, and one of them is uh, annihilationism, or uh, we could call it conditional immortality, and that is that idea of where the dead are resurrected in this last resurrection in bodies they have a body to stand mm -hmm. before the, the the throne of god and uh, and they are judged and the and 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 hell is the uh, end uh for those who have rejected christ but uh those who uh hold the view of annihilationism uh think uh, suggest that hell is not eternal conscious torment but at some point a complete destruction and annihilation of the soul of the person and and that's where you know you and i were have in talking about this we're talking mm -hmm. about the person and all that they have done are burned and eventually uh if if we believe in annihilationism and conditional uh immortality there's a point at which that person ceases to exist mm -hmm. but apparently uh tastes of um the the, the the punishment of hell for some time before that happens. Right. I would, yeah. And that would be my question. Um, you know, like even in John 3, 16, it says, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So that indicates that those who don't have eternal life perish in some form, and what we're discussing now is what's that form look like? And um, there's different theories on it. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's even now, I, 
I could share, you know, a third viewpoint. These are three viewpoints mm -hmm. that are common in uh, evangelical Christianity. The eternal conscious torment, the annihilationism or conditional immortality. Mm -hmm. And the third one would be universal reconciliation and restoration. And um, the uh, it almost is like the ultimate extension um, of Arminianism uh, that says, uh, you know, there's this basic divide between Calvinism and Arminianism. Yeah, there is. And Calvinism says, yeah, this is, I'm, you're going to simplify this. I'm simplifying it a lot and yeah. <laughs> so, uh, taking some shots at both sides. So, uh, nobody should get upset. No, because we're going to we're going to give equal opportunity offense later in yes. a different program. <laughs> yes. Um, so on one hand, Calvinism uh, believes that God doesn't really want anyone in heaven. But mm -hmm. since he has to let a few in, he wants to choose the ones that are there. And right. Arminianism uh, teaches that God wants everybody to make heaven their home mm -hmm. and uh, not everybody's going to make it. Yeah. So the, uh, the, the, the ultimate extension of, uh, of uh, Arminianism would be universalism, that there will sometime um the people in hell it's not a it's not a a permanent state but it's a place of corrective punishment with the ultimate goal of reconciling all souls to christ so it's like you go to jail you do your time and then you, you get a get out of jail free card <laughs> well you get a get out of jail free card if you pass uh, Once Christ yeah. gives it to you, <laughs> yeah, and and you and you have uh, you have reconciled your life uh, mm -hmm. to God. Uh, yeah, you get a get out of jail free card. So that would be the ultimate extension of Arminianism, and the ultimate extension of Calvinism would be the eternal conscious torment mm -hmm. um, point of view. So we have. Um... Let's get into 21 a little bit because there's a few verses there that I think that people will pick up different things from what we yeah. just said. Eternal conscious torment, annihilationism, and universal rec reconciliation. You know, would you join a group that uses smaller words for me, please? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, you so can call it restoration of all things. Okay. <laughs> um, I know Pentecostals that 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 is they hold to that the restoration of all things because Christ's atonement was unlimited. I if I get to choose what to believe without any biblical basis, I I like that um, restoration and reconciliation. Um. But let's see if there's any more verses in 21 that can point us in. A... <laughs> so uh, in 21, it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. I'm going to stop there for a minute. When you think about new heaven, new earth. There's, um, you know, we are, we are a new creation in Christ. And a new heaven, new earth, everything has been made new. Everything. Everything. Um, even in our new fact, home. Yeah. In fact, uh, Peter in Second Peter tells us that the creation is going to melt mm -hmm. in this unquenchable fire. And so he's, he's pointing out that there will be a purification, so to speak, and mm -hmm. a renewal then, then there will be a new creation. Which was also promised in Noah. Yes. No, yes. I just 
destroyed the earth once by flood. Next time it's going to be fire. Yes. Yep. And 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 there is another there is another destruction coming that will um, uh, wipe away and in in a sense it's kind of a purifying. Yeah. Uh, experience is kind of a purifying fire because when everything is done, uh, there will be no evil in the universe. Mm -hmm. It will be completely purged. Let's get to that. <laughs> um, the one thing that disturbs me about this first couple verses, it says there's no more sea. I love the ocean. I do too. As long as I'm standing beside it and not in a small boat on it. My husband likes the small boats. I tend tends to not agree with my stomach. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so and and, and uh, I think uh, I mean this is an idea worth considering there. I I'm wondering if it isn't so much that there'll be a planet with no sea because I don't think that's how it's going to be. Otherwise the kingdom of God is going to be on Mars. But you know, if you think about the early Jews, what was the sea? The sea symbolized chaos and death. Yes. And sea. so this might be a figurative example. Yes. And it might also be a message that John is communicating that when uh, this is all done, we've been separated from, by the sea. I'm on the Isle of Patmos, you're in Ephesus. Oh. And, and when all of this is, is finished, there won't ever, there won't be a sea between us. We're going to be all together uh, in the kingdom of God and in heaven. No, in heaven, isn't there a sea of glass? Yes. So and we can tell them walk on water. A river of life as well. Yes. So and it's not without water. It's not without water and it isn't without sea. Okay. And so uh no. Uh, what is God what is God's ultimate goal in all of this? He is restoring everything that was destroyed uh mm -hmm. in Eden. And, and, and we have a, there's, there's something locked inside of human beings that we have a, that we have a drive, a desire to return to Eden. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, you know, Plato even wrote about that um, uh, when he was talking about utopia. And Marx, uh, Karl Marx wrote about that. Uh, and and his the whole idea of communism is that eventually we will return to this Edenic uh, existence. But and so, so this is why these um, like Walmart and all these nurseries do such a prolific business, right? For those of us that are trying to create our own Eden, only to find the deer like it also. Yeah. <laughs> But, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and Eden, what, remember this, that Eden was that place on earth that God said, this is mine. Mm -hmm. This is where I want to be. And this and, is where man walked with God. Yes. And, and this is where it was perfect. Everything perfect was mm -hmm. in that Eden. It had river, it had, it had trees, it had, it had everything. And man was there in God's garden mm -hmm. and uh, walking with him and learning from him. And, and so uh, what is God restoring? He's going to restore that thing that burns inside of us as humans that says, there's something better than this. So when we're looking, um, we have the holy city, New Jerusalem, comes down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And there was a loud voice from heaven saying, 
Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself shall be with them and be their God. And I'm going to stop there for a minute because um, this is Eden. This is what you're talking about. Yes. Now this next, we're going to talk about a little bit more in depth. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Um, former things have passed I mean, that right there, if Revelation ended there, I'd be, it, it would be beautiful. But it doesn't. There's more. There's more. <laughs> yeah. Wait, there's more. I know. <laughs> you thought I was going to cut off the whole show. <laughs> no, but it, 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 he talks about God wipes away every tear first. No. Now, that indicates to me that when at some point there are tears in heaven. And in counseling, you know, I've done some grief counseling. And this sounds like a time to, in some ways, we're probably grieving what was lost. If you're in heaven, you are not going to be grieving the loss of your house, the loss of your bank account. You're going to be grieving lost souls. Yes. The only thing that's going to make me cry in heaven is those people that I have prayed for and earnestly desired to be my treasure in heaven to, you know, the only treasure you're taking with you from earth is people. Yes. Relationships. Yes. Right. So, I mean, it sounds like there's a time where we're grieving and then, um, it says, then there'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying and no more pain. And, that would make me wonder if somehow, for some reason, the people that were cast into the lake of fire cease to exist. All their deeds, everything they've done in their life is erased. And I'm just, you know, I'm thinking outside the box, asking the strange questions for that reason. Yeah, I there are people that have suggested that very idea that mm -hmm. uh, that it, you know we're in heaven in this glorious place that it, it just cannot be um um described by human language right and we're experiencing uh, uh joy and other human emotions at a level that we never thought we could experience that at all, but there will be the memory uh, uh, of uh, what was lost, as you pointed out, and it is right. people, and we will grieve. Maybe we will be grieving over the fact that that our our loved ones, uh, people that we prayed for and earnestly contended for. Uh, sincerely rejected Christ, sincerely right. rejected God in his offer of salvation, and have found a place in the lake of fire. Yeah. And, and, and maybe, and, and the comforting part would be they don't exist and you don't remember them. Could be. I know that God has a way to make all things right. But, you know, for me, that would be the sorrow of heaven is those that, oh, I wish so-and-so was here. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of so-and-sos. So, um, well, and that's, that's a part of the sorrow of mm -hmm. uh, the first death here on earth. Right. I, 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 I can't tell you how many times uh, when we lived in Africa, and I would see something being done, uh, and I would think to myself, I wish my dad could be here. Mm -hmm. Dad would appreciate how this is being done. 
and and um, and and he can't be there, and I can't get him, and I can't even talk to him and say, Dad, I, I wish you could have seen this. And on the other side, you were once um, a, a a mortician, right? Yeah. And I used to play piano a lot for funerals. And there's a whole different spirit for someone who has <laughs> gone on to heaven than for someone you would ask, oh, did he know Jesus? No. And you're going, what song do I play? Yeah. Yeah. What <laughs> oh, makes what do I do? I can't play Amazing Grace, you know. Okay, let's pull out Pachelbel. <laughs> yeah, not Taco Bell, Pachelbel. <laughs> that you know, here here's the here's the thing. Even for a pastor, uh, you're called mm -hmm. to uh, perform a funeral or to officiate mm -hmm. a funeral of a person who was not a believer. And mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I don't really like or appreciate is uh, the approach that some people take that, uh, you know, I didn't know John Doe very well, but I know that if he were here today and then put the gospel message into his mouth, I don't think that's fair to John Doe. And mm -hmm. uh, so I think that in those cases, we, we need to point to um, the hope that we have and point to uh, the scriptures that are there to comfort in this time without sending the guy to hell or putting him in heaven. Neither right. of which are our job. So this is, and this is true. Um, it said that the former things have passed away. Mm -hmm. um, we know our bodies did, um, or, you know, our bodies are made new. So I, you know, you just wonder what does this new thing look like that? Cause the very next thing he says, behold, I will make all things new. And he said to me, right for these words are true and faithful. That's one thing we can count on. I think everybody agrees that Jesus words are true and faithful. That's right. That's right. And don't, and, 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 uh, we can. We should never forget what Jesus said uh, when he was with his disciples. He said, "Heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will never pass away." Mm -hmm. And so, so many things that we're holding to. Um, yeah, I know people that are just trying to get a word about life, about about. Uh, uh, how are we going to handle all of the all of the issues of the day and they're running to find answers and all of those places where they're looking to find answers are going to produce an answer that is going to pass away sometimes within a day or two mm -hmm. and Jesus says heaven and earth will pass away but my word will never pass away Right. Oh, yes. So um, then he says, this, this next part, I like, again, I like the first, I don't like the second. Um, and God's big enough to take that. Yeah. <laughs> and he said to me, it's done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. I will be his God, and he will be my son. Mm -hmm. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And... Again, you have this promise of those who are written in the book of, the, of life. And then he's talking about all these other people who are going to have their part in the lake of fire or the lake which burns. And 
that's why I'm wondering if if their part is a partial punishment. And we know that Satan and the beast, they're going to burn forever. They got a lot of atonement to do. Yeah. Yeah, they're never going to. They're never going to uh, move out of that lake of fire. No, their prison is forever. But for the others, um, you know, they experience a second death. And so what is that death? That's, that's what we don't know. Well, the second death, the whole concept of the second death, uh, and it's mentioned a couple times in, in mm -hmm. Revelation, and and there's three kind of ways that we could look at the second death or explain second death and in one way would be the permanence of separation uh the idea that the second death signifies a permanent separation from god and eternal punishment to go along with it right and, uh the next one uh would be to understand the second death as symbolic language and revelation often uses symbolic language. So uh, maybe uh, some would suggest uh, the idea of a second death is no exception. And uh, maybe it's just, maybe it's being used by John uh, to convey in a vivid way the seriousness of the consequences for those who persistently reject God's love and grace. Mm -hmm. And the third way we could look at it is it's a contrast with eternal life. Right. Um, and, and we could look at it. This, this is kind of what was in my mind when I thought of, when I was thinking about it is those who are born twice only die once. And those who are born once die twice. And uh, that's uh, really what we're talking about. It's a contrast with eternal life. Uh, but it, the it, question is, what is that? Is that death a death or is it um, an eternal death? It is a death in terms of being permanently separated mm -hmm. from the love of God. And uh, it is a physical uh, separation, just like physical death separates us uh, from mm -hmm. our loved ones in our body. Uh, the second death is a separation from God's uh, presence. So, um, and, and that's, that's how I would understand it. Mm -hmm. is is like that um but the idea that it is uh two things side by side to demonstrate the difference uh is also an idea that that is interesting and commendable um the and, and we've seen this over and over as we've gone through the book of Revelation, that there's a kind of an unwinding mm -hmm. layer by layer of all the stuff that that Satan and his cohorts have imposed upon the earth. And so uh, in contrasting uh, and 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 for every satanic thing, there was a godly thing. Uh, there was a, a marriage supper of the Lamb, and on earth there was a great um, uh, banquet laid out for the birds of prey in the bodies of those who had fought against the Lord. So there's this juxtaposition of two things to demonstrate that, you know, kind of the two sides of the coin or something. Uh, would be common and the contrast between eternal life and eternal death um, is is uh, uh, something that that uh, 
is a great demonstration and it highlights, I think, the binary nature of the final judgment. Now look at this too. You know, it, it says that he'll give freely of the water of life, the fountain of the water of life. So you think about all those years that people have looked for the fountain of youth. <laughs> I, I'm not totally joking because, you yeah, know, you well, think about in the Garden of Eden, they yeah. have the tree of life. So we have the tree of life. We have the river of water. We have, um, we basically are eating and drinking from the fountain of youth in heaven. Yes. We don't have this body of death. We have a body of life. Yes. Yes. And um, I, I don't have any, I don't have any biblical evidence that I can, that I can nail down and say, here's chapter and verse. But uh, I, I'm hoping that I, when I'm resurrected, I'm resurrected in a body and with a mind, a body that uh, <laughs> when I was like 30 years old and a mind of what I've learned in 77 years. I don't know if that will actually happen or not, but um, definitely we will be lively uh, people who inhabit a body mm -hmm. and we will still be spiritual and we will live in a supernatural uh, universe. You know, if you think about all this stuff we're learning in Revelation, Okay, what's the human brain? About fist size? Yeah, a little bigger than that, but yeah. Yeah, so you have something this big trying to comprehend something so big we can't even see the end of it. Yeah. And trying to understand a concept that's even bigger than that. Yes, yes. And, and the human brain cannot conceive of the glories that now we're talking about in this part of the book of Revelation. And this is the ultimate, this is the ultimate goal, the ultimate ending that we've been looking forward to. We went through a whole lot of really difficult passages. And yeah, I mean, there was beasts and there was vials of, of God's wrath and trumpets and all of that. Now we are on the side of like, whom this all has opened up into glory in a way that we cannot comprehend or describe. I'm wondering if our heads will be bigger to hold everything that we're comprehending there. <laughs> I don't know. Um, or maybe the information is just so concise it fits. Right now our brains leak. Yeah, uh, mine leaks uh, 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 pretty bad because uh, <laughs> I um, I did a wedding yesterday in the park and I got home and I couldn't find my iPad. And that's where I have my wedding uh, uh, ceremony is on an iPad. And I, I quickly called the groom and said, oh, man, I think I left because I sat in their car and we filled out the paperwork and I used the iPad to write on. I said, I think I left my iPad. And he looked and and uh, came back and said, no, I don't see it anywhere in the car. And um, so yeah, it stewed in my head there uh, for a whole day. And then I went down to the garage and it's a black a case that I carried around in jet black and it was sitting on jet black leather seats. I just, yes. I just forgot. That's okay. I'm still looking for my credit card. Yeah. Yeah. We do that. Our brains leak, yeah. but our hearts are constantly refilled. And as long as we have Jesus in them, when our hearts leak, what what they leak is good. Yes. Poured out. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, well, we've come to the end here. Yes. 
So we will, I, we might actually finish Revelation next, well, no, we won't, two weeks. <laughs> we have it scheduled for two weeks. Yeah, we'll try, we'll do our best. You notice I'm trying to keep it going. Yeah, yeah, we'll do our best. And uh, after Revelation is finished, we're going to take a short vacation. Mm -hmm. You and I, uh, not together, but you're, you guys are <laughs> vacationing and I'm going to be uh, taking a break. Uh, and then uh, in the fall of the year, uh, getting around uh, last of August, first September, sometime around there, would come season two of The Fourth Watch uh, yeah. with Greg Fisher and Linda Morse. Thank you so much for joining it and God bless you all. Yes, and we love you. Thank you mm -hmm. for being here. All right.